Welcome back to the Act 2 Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I'm Josh Hallman. And today we have an actual real-life <laughs> Act 2 writer on the podcast. We it's are ta- actually a network for writers, we swear, not just a podcast. It's taken us 30 minutes to get here, but we got here. <laughs> it, is, it has. It has. We're here. And despite technical difficulties, Alex, would you like to introduce yourself and how the hell you actually know Josh Hallman? Oh, yeah. Yes, that's a great question. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for walking me through my um, tech issues. I'm such a boomer. How do I know Josh Holman? Josh and I... Uh, Don't tell her. Were... No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he likes his air mystery. Josh and I were both semi-finalists, or Josh, I think you were a finalist at the Austin Film Festival. Um, and we were put in touch through a mutual friend. And... Yeah. Uh, we got beers at Pitfire Pizza, and we've been friends ever since. Pitfire was their origins? I really yeah. like hearing that. You know what actually is a crazy story about this? Because we used to do our writers group at Pitfire, and Alex, you and I met like before we had our writers group. And so yeah. I honestly think that you and Tasha... And a couple of Dave, a couple other people like passed. So like Tasha, you may have already met Alex, but didn't even know it. That's really weird. That's probably yeah. true. I've been like spiritually a member of Act Two for for many years, uh, <laughs> yeah. physically for like a year and a half. <laughs> the spiritual That's member. That's awesome. That's awesome. Small world. So here's the thing. Alex is like, he's cracked the code of the blacklist. He's been on the blacklist three times since 2019 or 2018, excuse me. 2018. Yeah, 2018. And which is crazy, which is an, a crazy accomplishment. I like, I congratulated you the first time. The second time I was like, whoa. Third time I didn't even bother. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just old hat at that point. Alex doesn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. And so we thought we'd have you on because now you also have a movie coming out that's going to be directed by Ben Affleck, co-written by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, starring Ben Affleck and also starring Matt Damon. So we're, we're going to yeah. talk about a bunch. Yeah, we're going to talk about all of it. I think if you don't mind, Alex... Can we start a little bit, just quickly talk about your journey and how you became a writer? Because I know that's always very interesting to people, always interesting to me, like, because we all come from such very different backgrounds. So like, did you go to film school? Where are you from? Are you from LA? When did you come to LA? If not, all the things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, we could spend like four hours on this, so I'll keep it, uh, (laughs) you know, as high level as possible. I uh, was a kid in suburban Illinois. Uh, who really liked going to the movies uh, every Friday. Uh, my mom would just drop me off, and sometimes I'd have friends, sometimes not, and uh, would just see whatever is out, like literally whatever came out that weekend. I also did not know what I wanted to do when I grew up, so I just told everyone that I wanted to be a doctor because uh, I'm a people pleaser, and uh, that's what you're <laughs> supposed to tell people. And then, uh, you know, freshman year of high school, you like actually have to start figuring that stuff out, and... When I started failing biology, I realized that actually it's probably impossible uh, for me to become a doctor, nor do I want to. (laughs) So I started exploring other avenues. Uh, It just so happened uh, for Christmas that year, my dad gave me a collected volume of uh, Coen Brothers screenplays. And that was the first time I'd ever even read a screenplay, knew what it was, knew that people wrote movies. And then I fell in love, you know, and uh, had to go through the tough thing of saying, well, I want to write movies. And, uh, you know, how the hell do you do that? Right. How old were you when you got that gift? Well, I would have been, what, 14, 15 years old. Okay, pretty Uh, early then. 
Yeah, yeah, I was in high school. Um, and I didn't even really know what that entailed other than like, wow, this formatting looks really different than the books I read. Um, mm-hmm. And the language on this page is what ends up in Barton Fink and Miller's Crossing. So that must be how these things happen. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents, uh, you know, I grew up in sub- you know, suburban Illinois. We were very far away from the film industry, obviously. Um, so I ended up applying to a bunch of summer programs. My parents were super supportive, but also were, were, were kind of... Um, like, you need to figure out what this actually is and do you want to do it? So I applied to a bunch of different summer programs. This is would be uh, summer after junior year now. So this is like two years later, really. And I ended up coming out here to L.A. to do the USC summer film program, which was uh, super life changing. I mean, you're taking college courses taught by USC professors like over the course of eight weeks. So I just took the intro to screenwriting, literally screenwriting 101 and uh, fell in love. You know, like I never wanted really to do anything else after that. The next two years of high school were really hard because I was doing just the opposite of that. <laughs> and then the focus is all, you know, how do I get into film school? And uh, I was lucky enough to get into, into SC. I, I went uh, there in the undergraduate screenwriting program. And uh, yeah, then after graduation, you know, uh, I thought, oh, I'll just, you know, write and direct a movie and uh, it'll all work out. And that's not what happened. Uh, (laughs) I I worked as an assistant for two years, which was absolutely miserable. Um, Where at? At an agency or at a production company? Yeah, so I worked at a management company for a year, um, which was super insightful in terms of how representation works and how they sign writers and, and, and what uh, managers are looking for in, you know, baby writers. From a life perspective, it was horrible. You know, it was, it was a 24-7 thing. It was super underpaid. And, um, you know, I was getting, you, you get yelled at and and, and and all of that stuff. Like, it, it just stunk. Um, and then I worked for a producer for a year, which was a little more uh, creatively fulfilling, but kind of equally as, as sucky. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, I ended up just taking like a normal person day job. Um, I, I, I worked at uh, this online tutoring company, tutoring me, like selling online tutoring to colleges and universities. And that was really scary uh, because it, it felt like I was in LA, but so far away from the industry. Yeah. Yet at the same time, it was a real nine to five job. And I actually had a life and was able to write. You know, the toughest thing about being an assistant was I just wasn't writing. So it was that that was like the real you know, kind of a knife in the wound. Uh, The job sucked, the pay sucked, everything sucked, but I also wasn't doing what I wanted to do. You know, I was making connections, like connections, quote unquote, but without a script, you're nowhere, you know? So I took the plunge, took a real, you know, got a real day job, uh, but that really allowed me to to write. And I just spent another two years, you know, really trying to pump out specs and uh, just hustle as hard as I could. And then you know, that takes us to 2018, uh, where uh, my spec bag man uh, got me got me wrapped. And that was my first script on the on on the uh, blacklist. And, you know, I guess after that, I was officially a writer. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Can can we go into how? Well, first of all, your inspiration to write it. And then yeah. number and then also how you linked up with your manager first, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, here's the funny thing is I spent so much time trying to make the blacklist, you know, like in my internships and when I was a, when I was first an assistant, I was like, okay, I got to figure out a way to make the blacklist. Like, how does, how, how does this work? So, you know, every time the list, you know, comes out annually, I mean, I still do this. I, you know, you always read, you know, the top 10 to 20 scripts on the, on the list and kind of take a look at the log lines. And, you know, this is well-trodden territory at this point, but, you know, you start to realize, okay, there's a, there, there is kind of a pattern to these things, right? It's, it's, 
the untold true story of X famous person. You know, here's a, a biopic uh, from an interesting perspective. Here's um, the story uh, of, uh, you know, I, it's a joke in La La Land, right? Like the story of the three little pigs told from, mm-hmm. or the story of uh, Goldilocks told from the, the, the three bears perspective, you know, like, yeah, it, it's a joke, but like, there is some truth to that. Mm-hmm. So I kind of looked at, um, you know, the things I love, comic books and, and Stephen King novels and um, thought, okay, how could I, how, how can I do one of these scripts? So I wrote a Stephen King biopic that was about his car crash in 1999. Uh, it's kind of like 127 hours meets Diving Bell and the Butterfly, but also a Stephen King biopic. Oh, wow. wow. And then I also wrote a, a, a Stan Lee biopic, this, this, this script Excelsior, um, neither of which at that time got on the blacklist, neither of which got me representation. And I started to realize like, you know what, maybe I should just really focus on not trying so uh, shamelessly to make the blacklist and, and just trying to write something that I'm, I'm super passionate about, which I, I was passionate about those scripts, but it was kind of like, you know, the, the interesting thing about the blacklist is a lot of these scripts, like a rep isn't going to look at it and say, okay, I, I know what I can do this, do with this and I can sell this, you know, which mm-hmm. when you're starting out, uh, you know, just the truth of the industry is most of the time reps, when they're looking at, 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 at young writers are looking for material that they can take out rather quickly. So it's funny, you know, uh, Ex- Excelsior, uh, uh, was at the Austin Film Festival. It was a uh, second rounder, I think. So I went down to the festival and it was my second time going down there. And I kind of knew how the festival worked and I was able to network a little more. So I met some met some reps, met a couple other writers who were panelists, which is ultimately how I ended up getting repped. I, 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 I uh, met this writer, Henry Jones, uh, who, who was on a panel wearing like this purple velvet blazer. And, you know, at the bar after uh, probably a, a couple of drinks in, I like had the courage to go up and talk to him. It was basically like explaining my predicament. Like I wrote these scripts. I thought they were OK. You know, I basically am stuck, though. And, and I have this day job and, and I just kind of feel at the end, end of my wits. And he kind of was like, dude, stop worrying about these biopics. Stop worrying about uh, about writing like the untold true story and just figure out like a world you love, an original story. And, and, and go write that. So that that was kind of the genesis of Bagman. You know, I came back and was like, what's a world we haven't seen before? Um, you know, it was it, the college football season was going on at the time. And, uh, you know, going to SC, I'm, I'm a big college football fan. And it was kind of like, you know, no one's ever done, you know, the gritty version of a college football movie. You know, it's always uh, like Friday Night Lights or The Blind Side, where it's these super inspirational stories of um, these young athletes and, 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 you know, the families that raise them. And, you know, the truth of college football is it's like a very dirty business where players are paid under the table. And there's this, this crazy culture around, um, you know, player compensation. So it's like, you know, that's kind of an interesting way into a movie. You know, it's a crime movie, but but under the guise of, uh, of a sports movie, a college football mm-hmm. movie. And I worked on that script for like a year and, and I was really butting my head against the wall. I couldn't crack it. It was like 140 pages. It just wasn't working. I almost gave up on it. I really did. I had a moment where I was like, this just isn't, it's not an idea. It's, 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 it's not working. If you don't mind, can I ask, were you getting feedback on it? from friends or writer's group or? Yeah, you know, and I had met a couple of managers who had read uh, Excelsior and 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 King's Legs. That's the, the Stephen King biopic. And we're like, you know, the writing's good, but, but you know, send us the next thing you write. You know, it's what you hear a million times. So yeah. I, it was a total like outgoing email thing where I was like, I would email them. They would send back notes like a month later. Oh, okay. Uh, and they'd be encouraging, but, you know, not uh, knocking down my door. 
and that's how I was with Bagman too. You know, I, I had done, I, I mean, I can't even tell you how many drafts I, I'm, I'm still working on it is, is the, the, the irony of it all. But, um, I mean, that's Hollywood for you really. And it's funny. I had just for whatever reason, I went back and I read uh, the Michael Clayton script because one of my favorite movies, Tony Gilroy is, 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 uh, you know, a huge inspiration. Obviously I went back and read that script and it really changed the way I looked at, at especially the first 10 pages of the script. And that to me is like the big secret of all these things is the first 10 pages really one, they have to punch you in the gut. It has to be something really attention grabbing and, and, and just something we haven't seen before. But two, the voice has to be really, really, really strong. You know, you have to get the sense that, okay, this writer has a handle on the material. This isn't really a voice I've heard before. And that changed things, man. As funny as that sounds and as simple as that sounds, I really went back to Batman and like from page one, just ratcheted everything up. And 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 it's funny, I was I was traveling at the time too. I was like in this hotel room in Phoenix, Arizona, trying to sell online tutoring to a college. And I was just up until like 3 a.m. that night, just like one of those crazy nights that only come around um, every once in a while, just like rapidly writing. Yeah. I finished the first act and I sent it off um, to, to uh, one, one of these managers I've been talking to, to one of my um, friends from college who was an assistant at CAA at the time. And they both got back and were like, finish this, like finish it in, you know, the, these first 25 pages are really working, you know, finish this. And that just gave me the inspiration to carry through. And, um, you know, by, I get that would have been like July, 2018, sent in the script. It probably was like draft three. And, uh, you just had one of those crazy two weeks, you know, where suddenly it's like your phone starts uh, ringing and it's like reps wanting to talk. And then all of a sudden it flipped from, I couldn't get anyone to answer my call to like, well, gosh, now I'm going to have to like choose where I'm repped. I mean, it was really, it's kind of like the bends, you know, um, you go from <laughs> scuba diving at like 20,000 feet yeah. below and then you have the exact opposite sensation on the airplane, you know? Well, how did it get out into all of the, is, are you talking about when you say reps, do you mean manager's hands or what did this manager decide? I'm going to send this out to agents to get you an agent with this script. You know, it's funny. I was, I, I was hearing from managers at first and then I, Henry Jones, that writer at Austin had told me, uh, it, go, it goes back to Dr. Jones. Man. Listen, I'm really busy. Uh, <laughs> he's a nice guy. I make him sound like, uh, you know, yeah. he, he, he didn't have the time he did. Uh, he's like, I'm really busy. Send me a script when you're ready, but make sure the script is good. Um, I was like, okay, <laughs> easy enough. So I had waited. I, I really had waited. And and once I started hearing from managers, like, you know, who were interested in talking about that, I was like, okay, I guess it's good. I sent it to Henry. And then it's, I, I remember the soap that I was at the stir crazy coffee shop on Melrose, my favorite spot um, in LA. And uh, he called me back. Uh, it's funny. Cause I had, I'm kind of rambling now, but I sent yeah. him the script that morning and he was like email me uh, great i'll read it email me back in a month if you haven't heard from me which like okay like that's pretty standard and then i had a call from him that afternoon it's like four or five p.m he's like dude uh i i was just gonna read the first five pages i couldn't put it down i love this thing i've already sent it to to to, to everyone i know i never do this but uh the, the, like i the writing i just really responded to it i mean i want to start crying really i did yeah and then yeah. that was just the start you know but it's a long road man i mean it wasn't i, I you know i was so i you go through a week like that and it's like all right i'm a screenwriter like everything's good like yeah 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 sorry, time, to, time to quit my job like we're all good and um you know when i finally signed with my reps at, at grandview um i went in for the signing meeting and basically was like you know all high and mighty and uh you know, told my manager, Zach, like, yeah, I'm going to quit my job next month. And he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, <laughs> like, like, like. That's not how it works, kid. 
Yeah, he was like, you're not going to be able to do that for a year, man, at least. And I, you know, I was like, no, no way. And lo and behold, <laughs> it was two years, you know, almost uh, exactly two years before uh, I, I could even get work. So it's like, you know, it's it's just it's such a long road, even when you think, you know, everything has happened. And yeah, then, uh, you know, Bagman was out in the world and, and, and you know, it's kind of on my way. So 20, that, this all happened in 2018, Bagman being, Bagman finished, being finished, being loved by Henry Jones and sent out into the world um, and then on, put on the blacklist that year. Yeah. Or put yeah. On the blacklist it, the following year. Yeah, exactly. So like just to kind of clarify the timeline, you know, uh, I had finished, finished Bagman probably uh, like May 2018. By the time it had gotten out there, it was like June 2018, sent it to, to Henry late late june 2018 and then like had kind of all my uh, agency signing meetings that right after fourth of july 2018 and then you know the script kind of went wide and started taking general meetings and then the the, the blacklist um, is obviously december of, of, of that year it's so interesting you said that you got on the blacklist in 2018 but it was still two years before you were able to make a living off of screenwriting and pay your rent with it so i think what's interesting about the blacklist is it's a list of unproduced scripts that are out in the marketplace that are people's favorites, right? And for whatever reason, like I've definitely been told is like, your script's great, but we can't make it. What else do you have? So when you're taking these generals for the next two years, people have presumably read Bagman, have loved it. What are they telling you about why they can't produce it? A lot of things. Uh, <laughs> you know, you hear every excuse in the book. The biggest thing was American football doesn't sell overseas, so we can't yeah. do it. And, and, you know, here's the hardest thing, and I think you hit hit the nail on the head, Tasha, is that just because you have one good script doesn't mean anything. Like, th- my biggest problem at the time was that's all I had. I had I had Bagman, and then I had my, um, you know, Stan Lee biopic and and my Stephen King biopic, and it was the same thing. It's like, okay, the writing is 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 good, but but we can't make these. You know, we don't have the rights to, to Stan Lee and Marvel. We don't have the rights to, to Stephen King's story. So, yeah. you know, what else do you have? And, you know, what I'd say about those two years and i really kind of look at them like the wilderness the biggest problem i got sucked into was chasing the next job um you know you go to all the, you go on all these general meetings and they have all these ideas and and, and articles and podcasts and and um you know books comics everything but there's so much work that goes into chasing an owa um and 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 the chance of getting them to begin with is so little that the mistake I made was like every general I went to, I was so desperate to quit my day job and get a, a writing job that would pay that I would spend all of these all this time, like literally just writing in Word documents about their OWAs. I you know I went and I went down far on some of these, you know, and I would have like 30, 40 page Word documents about these crazy ideas that then all of a sudden it would be like you know what, actually, um, we're going to go in a different direction. Like, uh, you know, the project was killed on high, Um, you know, space movies aren't selling now, like whatever it is, there's always an excuse. And what I should have been doing during those two years was just specking. I should have just been focused on the next thing. Uh, But I I was so desperate to chase the next job that I ended up kind of chasing my own tail. And by the time, you know, one of those finally worked out, it was two years later. I mean, you guys know how long these processes take, I mean, and how many people you need to pitch. And, 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 and to, to me, you know, the, the biggest problem was not having the next idea, even in spec form, but but more uh, more than that was just not specking. Like that, that yeah. is what I should have been doing during that time. Yeah, I think we have some episodes kind of early on when we were talking about this exact thing, because for me, I like my worst year as a 
since I started working as a screenwriter where I had to actually go back and get a day job after having been able to pay my rent as a writer was when I was doing exactly what you're saying is chasing jobs. And I pitched on 12 things that year, which means that's a you know, it takes about a month to to pitch, to get your pitch exactly. together and actually pitch. So that's a whole year's worth of work with zero dollars to show for it. And I, I think that's a really great example, Alex, that two years down the drain, really. I mean, you're yep. not you're also not bettering yourself as a writer that much because you're not actually writing scripts. You're doing pitches, which is a different skill yeah. set. That's a crucial thing. You're writing in Word documents. I mean, I, I probably didn't touch Final Draft for, for months, which is just when you when you look back on it, it is obviously in the moment you don't know any better. But in hindsight, it's like, how, what were you doing? You know, you're a screenwriter. You're not you're you're, you're not a, a pitch writer, you know. Yeah. And this is a you know, it's a it's a WGA issue that's come up a fair amount. Like, I you know, I think the proper way to do this is for there to be compensation for bringing in writers to pitch. Now, again, that's a whole nother conversation. But I think. Yeah. You know, it's just, I, it's, it's not even about leaving free work behind. It's about doing the free work to begin with. I mean, it's, it's a really predatory system. And uh, by the way, I don't fault anyone who, who gets caught up in it because there is that allure of, 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 you know, a paying job at the end of the road. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And what's interesting is it's, it's a weird balance because as Tasha and I've talked about a lot of times, these generals or these pitches where nothing happens two, three years down the road, you end up reconnecting with an exec who's like, Oh man, I loved your pitch. I have a new project. Why don't we like work on something else? And so you never know when that's going to happen. And it's just this really yep. weird balance of not doing too much, but also like while still doing your own thing. Yeah. To me, the biggest thing about generals is foster the relationship and keep in touch with yeah. that person. You know, when I finally did end up getting, you know, that that paid OWA, it was off a general I had had two years prior. And yeah. someone just, you know. It seems like, wow, two years and you didn't hear from them, but that's just kind of how it works. You know, yeah. and all of a sudden you get an email and it's like, hey, you know, we have this thing. We think you'd be right for it. And, you know, what we will get into Air Jordan in a bit, but that was the same thing. You know, that was a relationship I had made in a general, the person that changed companies twice. And still, you know, it's just it's one of the first people the script went to just because I, I had a good relationship with them. So that to me is the importance of generals more yeah. than anything. It's fostering that relationship, finding a way to maintain it. But you know, being very picky and wary of, of what you're going to put your, your free time and your free effort into. Yeah. So, okay. So 2018, you get, you get the news that you're on the blacklist. You're like, holy shit, I wasn't even trying to get on the blacklist. <laughs> and then you start going on generals, 2019 passes. And then you're talking about the second script that was on the blacklist, Excelsior, the Stanley yeah. uh, uh, picture. Or wow, biopic and picture. <laughs> Talk about boomer. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> One of those moving pictures. Um, so did your manager read it and was like, hey, I think we can I think we could do something. You with know that this, thing I didn't like before? Yeah. I think we can do something. By with the this way. <laughs> so this is March of 2020, which uh, has historical implications for uh, every human on the planet. But mainly Mainly because of whatever, <laughs> but mainly <laughs> my Stanley, mainly my Stanley script. So I was in the middle of pitching for this this OWA uh, we've been referencing, and COVID hit, and all of a sudden it was okay. Everyone's stopping. Like we have two weeks here. Um, that was that was locked down. So I was sitting there, you know, so in the weeds on this OWA, but then it was kind of like, okay, I have two weeks. What should I do? Two weeks. Yeah. Oh and, my um, god! Yeah, <laughs> sorry. 
And for whatever reason, it just occurred to me, you know what, like, maybe I'll look back at Excelsior. Like I haven't, I, I hadn't thought about it in a while. And uh, I mean, there literally was, you know, there's nothing else going on in the world. There's no, there was no new TV. There's no sports. There's nothing. I mean, we're, we're locked at home. So I reread Excelsior after not really even touching it for, for a year and a half. And I, I just had, I came to it with a whole new set of eyes. And I, I was like, I know how to fix this thing. I, I, I mm. see what the problem is. So those, that, that, those first two weeks of, of COVID, I, I spent them reworking Excelsior. And it, it, I mean, not to get too into the weeds, but I turned it more into a Jack, uh, a Stanley Jack Kirby relationship movie than mm. just a Stanley biopic. So it was really about That's the cool. two of them and how their relationship came together, ultimately fell apart more than just, hey, here's a Stanley biopic yeah. about, you know, the 1960s through, through 2000. Sent it to my managers and, and you know, essentially said, hey, I, I kind of retooled this. I know you guys have read it. It's, it's, it's pretty different. Why don't you give it a look? And, you know, worst case, it's, it's a new sample. I, you know, keep in mind, I hadn't really had anything out there in, in almost two years. So I was starting to panic a little. Yeah. Like, do people even remember, you know, Bagman and, 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 and my first spec? So they read it and had that same reaction, which was, you know what? It, 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 it's much better. There's not much going on right now to begin with. Why don't we just send this out? I mean, people are looking literally any, the only thing people in the industry can do right now is read. So, you know, we might as well send it out. And, and lo and behold, um, it got really good responses. And, you know, people started asking like, what's going on with this? Is there anything that can be done with it? Long story short, short Sony has his life rights. And, mm. uh, you know, it honestly came pretty close to going at Sony. Uh, ultimately, they didn't want to risk um, Spider-Man, their Spider-Man franchise on my, um, you know, uh, boutique Stanley biopic, which I, I don't <laughs> get them for. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it just, it, it, it again, it goes back to, and this is an obvious statement, but one that I think we forget a lot. There's nothing more valuable than a, to, for a writer than a finished script. I mean, really, you know, in, in an instant, I just started hearing from people again and, and started getting, you know, even more OWA stuff just because something else was put out there. And it, it had just been sitting in my drawer for, for four years. And uh, if not for COVID, I mean, I may never have looked at it again, you know. So it is it just was another kind of notch in, in that lesson for me of, of just finish it, you know, finish it and and. That, that's always going to be more valuable to you than, you know, hey, I have this idea, I have this pitch, I have a take on an OWA. No, I never got paid for Excelsior. Did it lead to paying jobs? Yes, you know, um, which, which, you know, is obviously the end goal. Let's talk about that a little bit more then, because I think we all as writers look at the blacklist as this kind of mythological place where we can all find success. <laughs> Yeah. We can just get there. So can we talk about how both, I think, how Bagman being on the blacklist affects your career, which I think we talked about. You had those two years of pitching and pitching and people knew who you were, but you still weren't getting work versus Excelsior and then versus um, your latest script on the blacklist. Can we talk about how the blacklist affects your career? It's funny because you always, oh my God, you made the blacklist. Like you hear, you know, from friends, people you went to school with and it's, 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 it's great. I mean, yes, it was, you know, awesome being on the blacklist. There's an assumption, obviously. by the way, that your life completely changes overnight. Like the next day you're just, you're a, you're a star. A hundred percent. It, but here's the truth. Does the blacklist help your career? What I would say is it doesn't hurt it. You know, there's no there's no downside to being on the blacklist. It's mm -hmm. it's you know it's in a vacuum. It's a great thing. You know, it's being recognized for your work, and you know there's only so many scripts that are on it, and you got x many votes, and it's it's a cool thing. You get to go to a party and and meet the other writers, and you know, great. Then 
it's January 1st and you're the same person and you have the same opportunities and yeah, you get more, sure, you get more general meetings. Now the question is, what do you do with those general meetings, right? You're, you're kind of back in the same cycle. So what I would say is the blacklist is an opportunity for writers. It doesn't solve any problems. Keep in mind, this is a list of unproduced screenplays, right? Like these, these are not, and they'll always say, oh, well, Sorkin was on it and, and Inglourious Bastards was on it. Like, okay, we're kind of getting in technicalities here. Right. You know? You know, promising young woman was was uh, was um, a 2018 blacklist script, same as Bagman. So it's like these things happen, but it, it, they're few and far between. I would say, you know, like it, it, when I'm looking at the blacklist, there's a little column under each script that's on there. One that says producer attached, the other that says financier attached. You know, if you're really looking for the blueprint, I would look at the scripts that have a financier because those are movies that are going to be made. You know, they have a committed party who's going to put up the budget to shoot that movie. And those are the ones where it's okay. You know, the market saw this and, and, and said, I want to make it. And, and, and ultimately getting movies made is, is the, the business we're in. So those are the ones I would look at, you know, and again, it kind of goes, go back to, I go back to what I said before, which is you need to be ready with the next script after the blacklist, you know, cause you're going to get generals off it. You're going to get opportunities. You're going to get OWA submitted to you, but, but really you need to be thinking, uh, you know, one step further than that. And that was my biggest mistake. You know, especially after the the the, the first uh, time on there, um, I didn't necessarily have that next thing ready to go. I didn't even really have the idea ready to go. So, you know, it, it, it's a notch in the writer's belt. It's a fun thing. Uh, you know, does it solve any of your career problems? No, not necessarily. Like, But it does. Do you think it does open doors? At least do you think that you're yeah. getting more meetings and more OWA, maybe higher level OWA opportunities as a result of being on the blacklist than you might have otherwise? Yes, but it's also hard to say, you know, there are definitely some execs who, who, who just look at the blacklist and want to set a meeting with like, you know, the top 10, 20 writers that are on there. Mm-hmm. Um, that Those tend to be kind of younger execs who who I think are, are just kind of hungry to meet young writers too, mm-hmm. um, or, or newer writers. So, you know, it's just, it's kind of about demystifying the process. There's really, you know, there's not bad scripts on the blacklist, right? Like all of them have some sort of merit and, and they were voted on. Uh, by industry members in, 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 in some regard. I think, I, I always say there's no finish lines in, 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 in the industry, right? It, it, it is what you make it. So I, I would never, you know, <laughs> throw my hands and said I did it after the blacklist, right? Like it's fun, like you celebrate it. It's a, it's a career achievement, but like it, it, it then on to the next one. That's something we talk about too with like getting reps, how we all, we all thought that when we got our reps, like finally we could just relax and our career would start just moving. And it's like, oh, it's just, you just wake up and you're the same person and now you just have reps and you still have to work just as hard as you did before. Sucks. No, I tell people this. I tell people this all the time. The, the reps, the being repped is the same thing as being on the blacklist, right? It, it's an opportunity and it's going to open more doors than were open for you previously. Does that mean you have to work, uh, you know, you, you stop working as hard? No, you have to work harder because there's more opportunities. You know, you have to give it more effort. It's yeah. it's, it's a start more than anything. It's a stepping stone to whatever's next. And then after that, it's, you know, it's it's up to you to, to, to really decide what's next. And if you don't know, then you don't, <laughs> then you go through the two years I went through, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, where, where you get stuck. So, and listen, like, I think the hardest thing about our business is it's not uh, this corporate ladder where you can say, oh, I made partner in a law firm or I'm a VP, you know, at, at, at my company. Like, like most most careers have paths, you know, yeah. and they have stepping stones and they have things you can look towards. 
ar- progress in, in 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 the arts writ large, but but screenwriting in general is 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 nonlinear, man. In yeah. fact, it, it almost is is the inverse. Um, you know, it's like the timeline of upstream color. Uh, really, when you look at it, it just it it there, there there there's no there's no playbook, there's no guide. You know, all you can do to me is write as well as you possibly can, mm-hmm. um, and 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 write scripts that you would want to read, and write movies you would want to see, and trust your gut, and and you that's all you can control. Yeah, you, you literally cannot control anything else. It really struck me once when when Eric Heiser was talking about how after his nomination for Arrival, he was like, I'm good now, right? Like, I can just walk in a room and they'll give me a job. And his reps were like, no, now you're going to be in the room with other nominated writers and also writers who have won Oscars. So now you're up against those guys. So it's just it's just harder on a different level. Listen, it's great to celebrate. I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from it. I mean, God knows we, there's enough, uh, you know, uh, negativity and bad days in, 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 in the life of a, of a, of a, of a working and not working screenwriter that you got to celebrate the wins, no matter how small they may be or how big they may be, but, but there's no finish line, you know, you just got to keep working. And, um, and, 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 and that's that, you know, there's no easy answers. Yeah. There's no cutting corners. Yeah. There, maybe there are some shortcuts, but, but, but few and far between, um, really. <laughs> so are you always writing a spec? Yeah, I am now. I, that, that, that's something that, that, that's a mindset of mine that really changed because, you know, you were, you were, at, at first it's, oh, you know, I, I wrote a spec that got on the blacklist. I'm not going to spec anymore. No free work. Like I would never mm-hmm. do that. And yeah. It's, it's, there's a difference between no free work and there's a difference between putting in work for yourself. Right? Yeah. I mean, writing a spec that you own a hundred percent of that sweat equity, you know, that that's, that's a startup, yeah. um, you know, working for free for an OWA for someone else. I mean, that's, that's unpaid labor. I mean, it just is. So, cause you own nothing. It's their idea. So to me, it's, it's how, how do you, you know, how do you invest your time in, 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 in the wisest manner? And I think especially just the state of, of the industry now, which of course is ever changing. And, you know, by the time this podcast comes out, it might be different. Um, yeah. it, 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 it's controlling your own work, you know, because after that you can do, you know, whatever you want with it. This is a big thing with, you know, uh, with Air Jordan, if we want to get into that, was yeah. um, that's an idea that I could have taken to, you know, X number of, producers I'd met in general meetings and said, you know, hey, do you want to develop this with me? It's a crazy idea, but but who knows? The fact that it was a, a, a true spec actually really helped because I mean and the script just got optioned. You know, it didn't sell or anything. It it, it just got optioned. But but even even through that, we were able to create a bit of a competition for it because there were multiple parties interested. There were no attachments. And then from there it really it, it, it's about, you know, a, a lot of the business is about drumming up urgency, right? I mean, that's how it's so much of our lives is slow, slow, slow. You'll hear in a couple of weeks, give us a beat. We'll get back to you that if you can generate any type of urgency. I mean, that, 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 that's the key to most of this stuff. So again, like the more you control, um, the more power you, you, you kind of have o- o- over that process. Um, which again, just yeah. goes back to specking. Let's, let's, yeah, let's get into Air Jordan because that's, yeah. that's your most recent blacklist script. As Josh mentioned, mm-hmm. Ben Affleck is attached to direct with his BFF, Matt Damon starring, um, which is the first time that's ever happened. Him directing Matt, right? Yes. Yeah. Crazy. That's awesome. Um, I am so excited about that personally. Um, so t- speaking about Air Jordan, did you, I guess we already know the answer to this, given your mindset, but did you set out to write a blacklist script with Air Jordan? And if not, kind of how did this seed of an idea start for you? 
So uh, yes and no. I set out to write what at worst I thought would be a decent sample that would get my name out there again. You know, it, it kind of goes back to that, like you want a script out there every what, 16 months or so, every 18 months, like year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, it's just, there's so many scripts out there. There's so many writers who who, 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 who are going at it and, and sending out material, you know? So it's funny. So January of 2020, you know, uh, I, I uh, had, you know, my annual January meeting with my reps where you talk about what do you want to accomplish this year? You know, what's outstanding? And I said, I'm going to write an original this year. I don't know what it is yet. The one thing, and you know, my reps smartly said, the one thing you should not do is write some sort of biopic or true story that you don't control the rights to. So I said, yeah, of course, obviously (laughs) we're way like, I've learned my lesson, you know, um, with Excelsior, like there's too much out of, out of my control. We're not going to do that. Wait, can I ask you real quickly, why did they say that? It was that for that, that reason right there where it's like too much is out of your control or is it more? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I just, I needed something that could actually go to market, Mm -hmm. you know, in theory. And and this is all hypothetical, obviously. Um, and, and some, something that, 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 you know, would, uh, would go. Yeah. So, uh, flash forward to, to, to COVID, uh, you know, it was, I guess, May or June of, of 2020. And, um, I just didn't have that original idea. You know, I had a couple that I was trying to work through uh, and I just was getting stuck typically around act two as, as is um, normal for me. Mm-hmm. Um, start kind of flopping around between pages 40 and 50 because I have an outline and I was watching the last dance like everyone else in, in, in the world during COVID. <laughs> and uh, there was just that, that, you know, kind of little 10 minute little segment. I think it was in like episode five or, or, or four or five where they talk about, you know, Michael signing at, at Nike and kind of just laid out the course of, of how much of an underdog Nike was, and they should have never gone Michael Jordan, but, you know, Adidas and Converse made these strategical missteps. I was just sitting there thinking, how, how this is insane. This is such a movie. I, I don't know. I, this, this must have been a script up before or, or something must have happened. And, you know, I started Googling and it was like, yeah, I don't think there's anything out there. You know, there's a shoe dog uh, adaptation of shoe dog for Phil Knight and a couple of Nike um, specs out there, but I don't think anyone's done the, the the Michael Jordan Nike movie. So, you know, I just started researching it very softly. This is not something I, I called up my reps and was like, I have this idea. I need, I, I have to write this. It was something I just started working on really nights and weekends. Like, you know, I was in the ruts of, of Bagman rewrites. I was working on this OWA. Um, I, I, I had booked that, um, that May. So I just started working on it very softly throughout the summer. And it was like, if I, if I ever had kind of just some throwaway time. I, I, I would work a little bit on Air Jordan. Um, and then I started kind of telling people about the idea, not my reps yet, but just writer friends and, and just friends in general. Um, and I just kept hearing like, wow, yeah, that's such a crazy story. I didn't know about like the Nike of it all. I just started to feel like, man, I think people would kind of dig this. And then I just wrote through, I really wrote through and just finished the first draft. Um, and it took a while. I mean, now we're up to April, 2021. Mm-hmm. So, you know, almost a, almost a year later, just out of the blue, sent it to my reps or to, 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 to my managers first and just said like, I know you're going to hate me, but I've been working on this uh, kind of on the side. Uh, here's the log line, uh, you know, give it a read. I, I think I even going back to that email, I probably said like, if nothing else, like it might be a cool, a cool sample. Obviously it doesn't break me out of the sports box, but you know, mm-hmm. give it a read. And then I got the, you know, that was Friday afternoon. I, I, I got, a, you know, text Sunday night being like, you know, I, this really might be something. Uh, we have notes. Uh, we're going to, let's set a call tomorrow. So did the call. Uh, 
had some, they had really smart notes. It took probably two months to address them because still, you know, I was working on other stuff and, um, you know, this was still kind of a nights and weekend thing. Tightened it up. So now we're like late June, 2021. And then that's when I sent it to, to my agents at UTA too. Um, same thing, like, you're going to hate me, but but at least give this a read. And then they read it and it was like, we're going to go out with this. Like, you know, yes, it's, it's impossible. Uh, it's never going to actually happen, but um, people are going it, to, it's a cool script. People, people will read it and, and, and hopefully respond to it. And then, um, you know, and then we'll see, you know, to my rep's credit, they were really smart about the strategy. You know, we went out to, you know, kind of, and again, this goes back to the, 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 the benefit of general meetings. Like you start to, to gain that list of people who I know they're going to be excited to read a new script of mine, you know, mm-hmm. like you just, you, you, you know, they're a fan. So we went to those people first and um, a couple other places that were more sports oriented. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's just, you start getting emails and calls and it's like, what's going on with this? Like what's happening. And and you start to, to feel that buzz, which is really exciting. And it still was like, okay, well, nothing can really happen with it. There's just so much, um, you know, rights tied up. And, and you're talking about not only Michael Jordan, but Nike started taking meetings. You know, we, we started taking meetings with, with production companies and, um, you know, they all had different strategies and ideas of, of ways they could get this done. And uh, lo and behold, I ended up going with Mandalay who made the last dance, you know? So it was kind of like, it worked out perfectly. It's like, well, they've already made the last dance. They kind of thought of the story before I did. Um, they, they have probably the necessary connections. They ended up bringing on Skydance, uh, who had a relationship with Sonny Vaccaro, who's, who's the protagonist of the script. And then, uh, you know, by December of, of 2021, I was driving down to Palm Springs to meet with Sonny. I mean, it was crazy. Wow. You know, it's like you've been researching and writing about this guy uh, for almost a year and a half. And all of a sudden I was, uh, you know, sitting across the table from him. <laughs> it yeah. was really surreal. I have, I have questions about that aspect because that always really interests me as an introvert because I'm a writer. Um, (laughs) The interview process for true stories always really intimidates me. And I think it intimidates a lot of writers. And I think it can prevent writers from engaging on those kinds of biopics or stories that interest them that they, if they they had maybe a a different personality would would probably engage in. So can we talk about that and break it down a little bit more? sounds like you already clearly wrote the script beforehand. You had producers behind you who had the connections and knew where to send you. So that kind of, that part was kind of taken um, care of for you. But were you, were you paid to then go travel to meet with him? Um, Can you just walk us through how, how that meeting went? Yeah. So my overall philosophy on these things has changed a little bit, you know, um, you know, even back when I was working on Bagman, uh, you know, there were certain like journalists I was reaching out to and, and just people I, I would have been interested to talk to. And um, I guess I would still advocate for that. But, you know, some like take Excelsior, for example, like I didn't really I didn't reach out to Stanley's camp, you know, just because my 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 the lesson I've learned on these things is it's better to ask for forgiveness <laughs> than permission. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if I'd gone to Nike and Michael Jordan and even Sonny and said, um, Hey, would it be cool if like, I wrote the script about you? They would have been said, no, don't do that. Or, or it would have been tied up in like, you know, months of pitching and, and writing treatments and all that stuff. So it goes back to this idea of a finished script, right? Having that finished script, having it optioned, having Skydance and Mandalay behind it, it gave us the ability to say like, Hey, like we intend to make this movie. Um, we want you to be involved. Can we set a meeting? And then it just suddenly everything feels realer and more accelerated. And and 
And there's just so much more likelihood that they come to the table. So mm-hmm. listen, I had done a ton of research. You know, that's the beauty of the internet. There's a there's so many resources. I mean, I came and tell you this thing called newspapers.com, which gives you access to um, you know, an archive of like every newspaper ever oh, wow. printed going back to like the twenties. No. I mean, I probably read every article written on Sonny uh from like nineteen sixties when he first started running his his um amateur um basketball camps up until today so like you feel like you already are are caught up at least publicly and then it of course becomes okay like in that meeting it's like okay obviously I didn't get everything right obviously there are meetings that happen behind closed doors where the only people who know what happened are the people who are in that room that's where we need you to fill in the blanks you know um and 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 that's what we want to do and then ultimately it got into you know a conversation about his life rights and um you know, we were lucky enough to, to earn that trust. And uh, that, that ultimately is, is how you make the movie. You say we, but I, I would imagine a lot of that weight is on you and your shoulders because you are the face who goes there and you are the writer who's going to adapt yeah. the story. So how did you, A, how did you go about prepping for that? Just literally, yeah. like what what kind of questions did you have? How did you do prep for to, to speak to him? And then also, how did you approach the interview given you had a specific objective you needed to get out of it yeah to me the biggest thing is just being honest up front you know like and and that's just a good rule for life in general is just you know coming to the table saying listen i know i didn't get everything right that's why you know i'm so excited to 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 talk to you and get down to the bottom of, of like what did i miss what do you think is needs to be filled in the gaps here and um it, it, it obviously, it, it helps to have, uh, you know, production companies that are behind the script and have kind of said, we want to do this. You know, it would have been a whole different conversation if it was just me, Joe Schmo writer, um, driving down to Palm Springs to, 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 to meet him because I wanted to write a script. You know, mm-hmm. the, the production company gives you the ability to say, like, you know, they're, they're prepared to make the movie, you know, with your blessing. This is kind of your last chance to get in on this and make make this true. Yeah, I mean, listen, is it still like, do you still get a little nervous and get butterflies in the stomach? Yeah, at first, but then, you know, you're just talking to another person and you're having a, a, a human conversation, you know, um, and, and you just come from it from a point of like, just passion, you know, like I'm super like, this is a story that needs to be told. And it's your story. So I, we want to hear from, from, from you, um, you know, what, what, what's missing and, 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 you know, what needs to be added. So is that kind of how you framed the interview is? you've read the script, presumably he read the script. Um, what is missing? What part, what do you wish we told that's not here in the script? Is that kind of how you approached it? Or did you come with, um, or maybe both specific questions that you knew were holes or like a dramatic moment that you knew must exist and you just want to get a little bit more? Like how did you, what were your notes like going into that? It was a bit of both, you know, I, you, you start, it's like a, you know, five paragraph essay you start broad and you funnel down to the specifics right so so with this it was very much like let's open the table or let's open the the conversation to you first you know what do you think is missing and then you know as it happens a lot of that just coincided with the you know the the questions i had about certain um events you know obviously this script in particular it's a lot of it's a lot of meetings it's a lot of just people that people in rooms talking um so you knew the parts that I had uh, had to invent were the were the the conversations that weren't public, you know. Yeah. And sure, there's documentaries where they kind of talk about what was said in the room, but um, you know, you want to get a firsthand account, and, and uh, you know, that 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 was that that's the goal. Was there anything unflattering in the script that you had to 
play down or just massage in the I interview I was just going to ask that. I'm so curious. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's an interesting question. I'm trying to think back. I mean, you know, the, this, the, the idea itself is kind of interesting because there's, they refer to the Jordan shoe deal as kind of like the Rashomon of, of, of shoe deals. Like everyone kind of has a different story and, oh, and everyone... Everyone wants to take credit for it, right? I mean, it, it really is the most impactful, um, you know, kind of endorsement deal in, in, in history. So you understand why a lot of people are grabbing for credit. So, I mean, that was part of writing the script, too. It's like, whose eyes are we going to tell this story from? Yeah. And you kind of go down the list, right? Like, you don't really want it. it, it sure, you could do it from Michael Jordan's perspective, but then it's just a Michael Jordan movie, right? You could do it from his agent's perspective, but eh, I don't know. The sports, the sports agent isn't the most interesting angle. And then... Phil Knight's perspective, right? Well, he was the CEO. He probably wasn't like in the ground floor of this. And then, you know, you get to Sonny's story where it's, you know, he he advocated for Nike changing their model altogether, which is instead of signing, you know, five to 10 different players, you should put all of your money on one player and make like the bet of your life on which player uh, is going to be the best coming out of this draft. And, mm-hmm. you know, God willing, they, they believed him, you know, and that's a lot of what the movie is about is, is not only you need to get Michael and, and his family and his camp to take a bet on, on Nike, but you need Nike to do the same for him, you know? So they're kind of parallel arcs, which is hopefully, you know, what comes through in the movie is it's, mm-hmm. it's two humans betting on each other uh, with nothing else, but, but, but belief, you know? So when do Damon and Affleck come into play or however much you can talk about it? So we needed, you know, Sonny needed to sign off because that was like the, you know, we needed his life rights because the movie about him. So once we had that, it was, okay, let's start taking some swings here. And this is, but you know, December of, of 2021, you know, we put together the list. Okay. Who are the dream, dream directors and then dream leads. And, you know, if we can get one of these people, then, you know, we can probably start taking the movie out as a package. So, you know, right before uh, kind of Christmas break 2021, we all, myself, Skydance and uh, Mandalay put the list together. And, you know, it, it's exactly, it's exactly, I mean, you guys could probably name the, 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 the names right now. It's like all those crazy, a lot of Chris's. you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and director wise, it's like, you know, any A-lister who has done a true story or has done something with basketball. And then, uh, you know, send them out, send, send, send it to the, to the reps over the holidays. And, you know, we'll start getting reads over the break and then we'll come back in, in, in January and, you know, it'll probably all be passes, but then we can, we can move on. So, you know, lo and behold, you, I come back from, uh, from Christmas and, uh, you know, I got the call that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Ben had read it. He was interested and there, there might be something here. And then, uh, you know, it, it, you get this stuff happens, right? It's like so-and-so is reading, so-and-so is interested, but it's always like, okay, like, you know, it's not going to happen or something will fall apart. We went through this with Batman a million different times, mm-hmm. you know, of like, oh my God, we're going to get this dream actor to do it. And uh, actually like they just got an offer for the next Marvel movie. So it, you just kind of take it with a grain of salt, you know, and try not to think about it too much. Cause it, you know, if you get too high or low with each uh, call or email you get in, 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 I mean, in this business, you'll drive yourself crazy, as you yeah. guys know. And then, yeah, two days later, I I, I got another call that just said, um, you know, clear your schedule Tuesday, like we're meeting. Um, and uh, okay. <laughs> so, is Ben? It, it sounds like Ben was the first director you went to, or did you go to him for uh, to star? To star, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, he was on the star list. So, you know, we were trying to go out to find either a, a, a director or a star, and uh, you know, somehow wow. kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then from there, obviously, it's, you know, once he once he was in, it was, you know, all right, all systems go. Um, Did you find and, out on that um, Tuesday when you cleared your schedule that he also wanted to direct? So I, I had been prepped going in that, that you know, he, he wants to direct too. And I mean, obviously, it's, yeah, I mean, he's he's a great director. I don't think he gets enough credit for um, the, the, the movies he's directed. And then, yeah, you know, other than that, you go in and just and listen and, and, and uh you know, it's funny because I was pre- I was prepped to do another pass on the script. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I kind of already had ideas about like, here's where I would take it. And um, so we talked a lot about that. And then after that, it was just, um, you know, it's one of those weird things where like you never are told like, OK, it's official. It's happening. It just is kind of like, OK, like, yeah, I mean, we're let's 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 move forward. And then from there, you know, uh, uh, you know, he, he brought his his his. <laughs> his buddy Matt along and um, you know that that just made it that much more real. It's so fantastic to hear this Alex and I'm so happy for you because like you said so many of our stories are exactly like Bagman where you're like oh my god like the dream is this person's even gonna read my script like a word that I write is going to be in this person's eyeballs and then there's a pass and then months go by and there's another pass because it takes so long for these people to read every every bit and you can't go out to five directors at the same time you go to one at a time. Um, so yeah, that's, it's such, it's such a, I don't, it's a beautiful story. <laughs> it is. It's amazing. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, it's why you keep going, it you is. know, and it, really and, is. and it just, it, because I really was, I mean, it was four years of exactly what you're talking about. I mean, for Bagman, we went to so many different actors for that lead role. And I mean, you know, to the point where it's like, okay, they're ready to attach, but they want the script, you know, completely rewritten to, yeah. well, they would do it a year from now to, they'll do it if X person yeah. directs and that person's unavailable. So it's, you know, it's just, you don't fault any of these people. Like, you know, they're movie stars. You get it. Like, you know, they're, they're getting sent a million scripts a day. So, but uh, again, it comes back to, okay, what can you control in the process? Well, you can be one of those million scripts and you just keep going at it. You know, um, it, it, it just goes back to not getting too high or low off, off uh, you know, any given event or any given day. Cause there's just, and it, like we're talking about, you don't even know what's being talked about, you know, on their end of the conversation or why they're passing or if, if they even read it. I was you just going to say, like, sometimes the agent just read it and was like, nah. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. right. So it's just, you, you'll, you'll drive yourself absolutely crazy if you try to think of well, what was it exactly about it that, that, you know, that, that, that didn't work out. It's just, okay. Like, you know, you just, you just keep moving yeah. and, you know, hopefully, hopefully on to the next script and, uh, you know, sooner or later, you know, like it, it, it can come together. Yeah. Stick-to-itiveness is the key. That's right. Um, so to wrap up here, because we've kept you a long time. Um, but I do want to end on, on talking about, um, something kind of we we touched on when we were having our technical difficulties, which is the difference between being hosted on the blacklist and being on the blacklist, because it's a question yeah. I know you get a lot. It's a question we get a yeah. lot. I got my start from actually being hosted on the blacklist. You got your start from being on the blacklist, two completely different things. And people actually get it confused with me as well. They think I was on the blacklist and I have to sadly yeah. tell them, no, that's not the case. <laughs> it's, it's never been the case. Um, it, so can you kind of talk about Honestly, um, I'm just gonna be honest. I'm surprised people don't know the difference between this, right? Yeah, it's a it's a big point of for producers and executives too. Like it's a big point of confusion for them oh. as well, which I, I yeah. don't understand that part. But can you clearly tell us definitively right now the difference between those things? Here we yeah, go. I mean, so the annual blacklist, which is how this all started, which was Franklin Leonard, uh, you know, emailing a bunch of other executives when he was an executive and saying, can you send me your 10 favorite scripts of the year? Uh, in return, I will send you the compiled list of all of this. A great idea that he just came up with one day at his desk uh, in December. Crazy. 
Um, that that has morphed into the annual blacklist, which is every year Frank Leonard and 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 his people call up you know his panel of, of the industry, mostly producers, I, I I believe, and and creative execs, and and ask, hey, can you send you know the ten best scripts you've read this year? That ultimate list compiled is the annual blacklist that comes out every December. The hosted blacklist is a paid version of that essentially, which started I think you know seven eight years after the annual blacklist started, which is you know, any aspiring or working screenwriter can upload a script onto the blacklist um, or onto the blacklist website, I should say. It's hosted there. People can read it. People can download it. And industry members can find it. You know, it, it, it's kind of like a micro version of the annual blacklist. I mean, Tasha, this I'm assuming is what happened for you is you got really good reads. It was scored very highly. And, um, you know, managers or, or producers started downloading it. And, and and then contacting you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's 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 just a paid version of 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 uh you know that community. I think it's all just scripts. I mean, that's what it all comes comes back to. You know, there's no difference between trying to make the annual blacklist and, and having a script hosted on on the blacklist website. If the script is good, the script is good, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's something I really try to impart on people is is I, I think there's this people misconstrue it as, you know, the first script has to be this like perfect, you know, well-formatted document that plays by all the rules. Um, I really, I I strongly believe it's just the opposite, you know, like when you're unwrapped or even when you are wrapped, but you're trying to break in, that's the only time you really have true permission to do whatever you want and break the rules and you're not answering to, to, to really anyone else. So like, that's when you should take the risk. And that's how you get noticed is those first 10 pages being something really different than what we've seen before. You know, I'm not yeah. saying like throw a bunch of pictures in the script, but Hey, if it tells the story in a better way, then do it, you know, just find a way to stand out. Um, and usually just your voice and, and, and strong writing r- really amplify that. And uh, that to me is, is, is really the key when it comes to this stuff. I think you so. articulated that perfectly. Nothing to add. I think, I mean, Josh, unless you have anything else, we'll kind of no. Let Alex go. Let this man but, go. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Okay. We'll end with a bit of advice. Do you have advice to give writers who are aiming to have their script on the blacklist? Write something that is very personal to you. Uh, write something that you think only you could write. And it can be as easy as just what are you most passionate about and set a movie in that world or tell the untold story of, of whoever that person is. Right. I mean, like to me, like, that script, especially the first 10 to 15 pages, which I know I keep emphasizing, but I, I really believe in that for folks trying to break in, like should basically like, it should feel like, you know, you put your guts right onto the page, right? That like, this is why I wrote it. This is my story. Cause it all kind of ties together, especially when you start taking general meetings. So it's just, you know, look, I would say look inward instead of outward, you yeah. know, what's the one story you can tell that no one else can. And, you know, people say, write what you know. That doesn't mean I'm going to write a movie about, uh, you know, a, a, a screenwriter trying to make the blacklist, right? It's no, like, what do you know better than anyone else in the world? And why, how can you apply that to, 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 to your script? And if you do that, I, you know, you're, you're off to a good start. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I have a quote of the day that I think is extremely apropos to wrap things up. A screenwriter's currency is a finished script, not an outline. A take, a beat sheet, a rough draft, a finished script. F. Scott Frazier. Perfect. So true. I, I feel like you picked that up. I feel like you picked that out during our conversation. I know. <laughs> yeah, so do I. <laughs> Alex Conbray. <laughs> Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And I'm Josh Hallman on Instagram, Joshua Hallman on Twitter. 
Alex, where can we find you? Uh, geez, that's a great question. Or, if, I think... or do you not want to be found? <laughs> no, you, I think if you, I think I'm, like, I think I'm at Alex Convery on Twitter, and I think it's the same on Instagram. But either way, just um, you know, Alex you is clearly me. on both of those things a lot. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist. Music by Four and Four Bag, which you can find on Spotify. Mm-hmm.